clap of praise right now. Can we do that? Whoa! Oh, you're all looking wonderful this morning. How many are glad we serve a redemptive God? The All Blacks won. Redemption in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's so great to be here. I heard yesterday that Desiree ran the Queenstown Marathon. Well, that's pretty out there. How many want to do that one day? It's not on my bucket list, uh, definitely, but... I celebrate those achievements and all that God's doing. Well, it's great to be here in 9 a.m. service. It's been a while, and uh, just great to see the growth and the expansion. Not just one service on a Sunday morning, but two. I know you're going back to one over the summertime, but man, aren't you grateful for what God's done? Uh, When you create space, God fills that space. So many people's lives are just too tight. It's almost like they've got that suitcase too packed tight. How many know when you go away, you've got to leave room? Because then you can't go shopping if you've got no room. Come on, all the women said amen to that. So often in life, people's suitcase, their life is packed too tight, and there's no room for God to deposit and put some stuff in. I really believe God wants to do something in all of our lives this morning. You ready for that? Just shake your neighbor and say, you ready for that? You ready this morning? Come on, 9 a.m. service. You need to be awake and alive. We're hungry for Jesus. Oh, we thank you for your presence here. Lord, and I pray that you speak to each and every heart. Lord, coming into this Christmas season, Lord, I thank you. You're wanting to crown the year with your favor. Lord, I pray that even the hard pathways would drip with abundance. Lord, that would see your provision, would find answers. Lord, you'd meet us at our point of need. Lord, and today we declare our hope and our trust is in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, everyone shouted. Let's give God one more big clap of praise. And how about giving three or four people a high 10 just before you grab your seat? High 10. Great to have Mr. David Darby on the keys this morning. He seems to be everywhere I go. I try to, no, (laughs) he's everywhere. In fact, he's he's Equipper's first missionary to Rome, to Italy. For those that don't know, um, we've started a gathering in Rome already. How many feel a mission's call to Rome, to Italy? Uh, we're also starting a church in Calcutta, Calcutta, Rome. Uh, <laughs> oh, we've got some people for Calcutta. That's great. But uh, Dave is going over there the first week of December and uh, just starting the church. We've got Pastor Francesco. Some of you wouldn't have met him, but he, as some of you might have. Uh, he's just an amazing man. And already first gathering, first night, we had 59 adults there, and we haven't even launched the church yet, and uh, it's exciting what God's doing there. Also, we're launching in the central coast of the United States of America. We're not launching, we've actually launched, and uh, John Sparrow there, many of you met Pat before, but John's son is leading that, and uh, at the launch service, they had over 400, uh, with uh, 20 people giving their hearts to Jesus, so that's pretty exciting, and you know, you've got to understand, you're contributing, you're part of this, and you know, the church in Manila, I was just there a month ago, and it's exciting to see what God's doing in Manila in 18 months, 
the church has grown to well over a thousand people. And uh, especially our, our North Campus, they're, they're, they're launching into a new venue. And uh, you know, I think that night, the night I was there, we saw 50 people make responses to Jesus. And you've got to understand, uh, 90% of the church are new believers. So it's pretty raw, and, uh, but it's exciting what God's doing there. In fact, the government reached, uh, recently approached us. We had a missions team go up. And uh, I, I don't know if you know the political situation in the Philippines, but the president is just basically shooting drug lords, <laughs> shooting anybody who's remotely attached to drugs. And uh, a whole lot of people are surrendering. So there's a whole lot of drug surrenderees. And uh, we were asked by the government to uh, put on an event for all these drug surrenderees that have come in. And there were 1,600 of them, uh, drug surrenderees. And uh, we thought, what are we going to do? Because um, we need to see God change and transform their lives. And so we, we thought, let's give them a Bible and let's feed them because, you know, part of the issue is selling drugs, they need money, and let's make sure their families are well catered for. We took up an offering in Auckland and, you know, raised, I, I think, $20,000 in one service. And we're able to buy all these drug surrenderies a Bible and, and feed their families. And uh, 80% gave their hearts to Jesus. Um, and uh, the policemen who were there, there was only 60 policemen at the event. 1,600 drug surrenderees. I mean, no, you're praying. <laughs> uh, but God worked in a miracle, uh, miracle working way. And uh, man, God's good. Man, I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. Come on, I really believe God wants to crown the year with His favor. I don't know what you set out to do at the beginning of the year. I don't know what you're believing for, but if it hasn't happened yet, I believe in these next six weeks or so that God can come through. Come on, how many believe in a God who's faithful to His Word, and He wants to come through, and He wants to meet you right where you're at? Well, I'm going to preach a message from a series I've been preaching called, I Am Convinced. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am convinced. I am convinced. I believe as Christians, we should be the most convinced people on the face of the earth. And so I'm going to preach this message this morning, and I'm going to start reading from a random passage of Scripture found in the book of Jeremiah. So if you've got your Bible, let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, and then once you're at Jeremiah, I want you to go to chapter 29. And uh, then once you're at Jeremiah 29, I want you to go to verse 11. Verse 11. And some of you would have never heard this passage read before. Some of you just might have found comfort in these words. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know, this is God speaking, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. How many have heard those words before? How many have found comfort in those words? I like those words because God, at the start, He starts out by saying, I know. In other words, I'm convinced about the plan I have for you. I know what it entails and its plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. In other words, I'm confident in what I'm selling you. You know, I'm wanting to lead you down this pathway and I'm confident as to where it's going to take you. Uh, how, how many have uh, uh, approached a salesperson and they're not confident in what they're selling? It's like you go to a restaurant and, and you ask, is the dish any good? And they're like a little bit hesitant. Uh, how many know you don't want to order that dish? 
I often ask a waiter, waitress, what's the best dish, dish on the menu? And if they say, you've got to try this, I'm taking that. I'm taking that because they recommend and they are convinced about it. If they hesitate, I, I don't want any part of it. You know, convince people, how many know convince people? You know, you've got to be convinced. In fact, you don't need a brochure, a website, you know, anything else once you're convinced. Because convince people, convince people. Just like forgiven people, forgive people. Save people, save people. Found people, find people. Come on, you get the picture. You know, convince people, once you're convinced, you automatically convince others around you. And I believe as Christians, we're called to live our lives convinced about God's plan for our lives, and God's plan for the church. You know, if we're not convinced, how many know nobody's going to buy it? Now, the context of this conversation or the scripture is so vital. You know, Jeremiah is speaking right now to, to, to the Israelites who are in captivity. For years, he warned them that they were going to be taken captive. No one listened to him. He got locked up, thrown in a system. You know, all types of horrible things happened to him, but he never changed his message. He said, this is going to happen. You're going to be taken into captivity. At this point, they were in captivity. So, so Jeremiah's words had become a reality. And here, Jeremiah, in verse, chapter 29, is speaking to the Israelites who are in captivity. Now, I want to go back to the earlier verses, because I believe this gives context to verse 11. So let's go to verse 4, and let's read it from there. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives exiled to Babylon. Build homes and plan to stay. Remember where they were? Where are they? They're in captivity. They're in Babylon. And here, Jeremiah's bringing the word of the Lord. He's saying, build houses and plan to stay. That's a strange thing to say. He says, plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Wow. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they're telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll come and I'll do for you all the good things I have promised. And I'll bring you back home again. Verse 11. For I know... The plans I have for you, says the Lord, that plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, you will find me. How many know many people don't find God because they don't seek God? They don't come and look for Him wholeheartedly. If you do that, you will find me. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. I'll restore your fortunes. I'll gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I'll bring you home again into your own land. Well, the, the specific title of this message is Flourish 
wherever you are. Flourish wherever you are. Recently, I had to go to lawyers um, to sign some documents, and Kathy and I went because we both had to sign. And you know, you normally have to hand over some identification, either a driver's license, passport, and so we took our ID with us and we passed it to the to to the lawyer. And, and Kathy just said as she was passing her passport, she said, "Oh, my middle name is spelt wrong." And, and uh, I was going, "Hey, I didn't know this, but you know, her middle name's Eleanor, and on her passport it was E L E N O A." Now her middle name what it is spelt, she thought E L E A N O A, so it was missing an A. And uh, the lawyer said to us, "Well, I can't accept that." identification, you need to get something with the correct spelling, and, and so we had to go back home, and uh, we, we went through our files, pulled out her birth certificate, only to find out that her passport had the correct spelling of her middle name. For 41 years, she had been spelling her name wrong. I looked at her and said, is there anything else you need to tell me? Are you really the woman I married? I'm going like, she was convinced that her name was spelled E-L-E-A-N-O-A, but it has no A. Her life has changed. It's like, it's easier to spell my name right now. She thought it was one way, only to find out it was a different way. In fact, I've got a friend who, who thought for years, up to the age of 22, his birthday was on the 3rd of March. <laughs> Only to find out that his birthday was really on the 2nd of March. He, he was actually a day older than he thought. Here's the thing, what happens in life when you discover you aren't who you think you are? See, see you can be convinced of one thing and find out it wasn't as you thought. Uh, You can tell yourself one thing, you can convince yourself of it, you can have others tell you, this is your name, this is who you really are, and then there comes a point, there's something happens that you actually find out it's not as you thought. Uh, Here, the Israelites are in captivity, and you've got to understand, it's until we go back to the originator, we can't really have full confidence on what's around us. See, until you know who you are and whose you are, you can't flourish in any environment. And here God speaks to the Israelites who are in captivity. They're in a place of restriction. He says to them, listen to these, this crazy advice. He says to them, I want you to build houses. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to get married. I want you to have children. I want you to increase and multiply. He says, do not dwindle. I hate that word, dwindle. How many know in life we're not called to dwindle? You know, just dwindle away. We're not called to be casual about life. We've got one life. We've got to make the most of it. He says, do not dwindle. Increase and multiply. And he's speaking to a people in captivity. In another, word, in, in another way of saying it, he's saying, don't let your predicament determine your flourishing. Don't let your predicament determine your flourishing. He's saying, flourish now. I, I want to say to the students out, out there, you know, some have left already, but you know, don't wait till you graduate to flourish. 
flourish now. Come on, if you're a mom with young kids right now, don't wait till your kids grow up to flourish. You may feel like you got cabin fever and you're hidden away, but I want to say in that place of restriction, God wants you to flourish now. Uh, come on, if you're in rented accommodation, don't wait till your ideal home before you flourish. Yeah, God, that's part of His plan, I believe. He wants us to own real estate, go into that, but flourish now, right where you are right now. Come on, you may not be in the, the job of your ultimate destiny, but don't wait for that job. God says, flourish now. Don't let your predicament determine your flourishing. You can flourish in your captivity. See, as a church in Auckland, we're, we're in rented facilities on a Sunday. We pack in, pack out every week. It has some challenges attached to that. In fact, there's been periods of time where we've been in 13 different locations in 13 weeks. I often say you need to be onto it to attend our church. We've just got to filter <laughs> so, so we get rid of a few. No. Yeah, you need to be on to it to know where church is every Sunday. Now, now it's a miracle we're, we're growing in that. And now, God's given us a prophecy, though. He's spoken into our situation. He said, hey, I'm going to provide a miracle building. In fact, God said to me at the start of the year, it's time to go from the tabernacle, which was mobile, to the temple, temple which was a permanent place. And we've been packing and packing out for six years. But I really felt God says, I've got a permanent location for you. Then we had Michael Maiden and another Neil Smith come in and prophesy exactly those words. So we believe that we've got a promise that we're holding on to. But how many know we're not waiting to the fulfillment of that promise? We're flourishing now. Even in our captivity, even with the limitations around us right now, we can flourish. We don't need to wait for a permanent building to flourish. We can flourish now in Jesus' name. I want to say, don't wait to 2017 to flourish. Don't let the year wind down. Come on, build your expectation and faith and flourish now. Come on, there's six weeks of the year left. We can make a difference now. We can see salvation happen in our family now. We can see miracles break out now. Come on, let's flourish now. God has a plan. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Now, I know he's got that permanent facility, but we're not waiting for the fulfillment of that. We're saying we can flourish now. We can increase now. Uh, God's saying, in your captivity, I want to work. He has plans. He has a future. And, and he said to them, I'm going to gather you. I'm going to bring you back home to Jerusalem. But in the meantime, build houses, plant gardens, increase and multiply. Don't let your circumstances determine your flourishing. Psalm 92 says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Now, how many righteous people have we got here? Uh, come on, if you're saved, you're righteous. Not by your own doing, but by the finished work of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. You're righteous. Come on, how many righteous people have we got? It says, the righteous shall what? They shall flourish. Uh, in other words, their flourishing isn't determined by what's around them. It's determined by who's in them. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. 
It's those who are planted in the house of God, not just those who attend. It's those who are planted, got their roots down. They flourish in the course of their God, and they shall bear fruit in their old age. Come on, how many want to be bearing fruit in their old age? It says they shall be fresh, and they shall be flourishing. Come on, you may begin on an age. You may think your best days are behind you. I want to say when you're righteous, when you're planted in the house of God, in your old age, you can be fresh, alive in your spirit, and you can flourish. You don't need to let your, you know, your health or anything stop you from flourishing. The righteous shall flourish. Flourish is to break forth, to spread out, to fly, to spring out. I'm, I'm convinced as a Christian we're called to flourish. And I'm convinced that the kingdom of God works anywhere, anywhere. Now, I, I work with a lot of pastors, and you know, we're expanding, multiplying as a movement. And we've got churches you know, in small towns and provincial towns, provincial cities, you know, big cities and bigger cities. And a common excuse for a lot of pastors not actually moving forward is, is well, well, it's different here. It's different here. Oh, you don't understand, it's different. And how many know to a degree they're right? Because London and Ortaki are different. Some of you don't even know where Ortaki is. It's the place of my birth, by the way. It's a good place to come from. Uh, yeah, it's London and Ortaki, they're different. Ortaki doesn't quite have the traffic problems London has. Manila and Thames, different. Zurich and Calcutta, different. Zurich, their national sport is banking. You know, Calcutta is cricket. Rome and Tonga, different. They both love food, but they're different. You know, different places. Dunedin and Wellington, different. One full of politicians, one full of students. No, different. But here's the deal. I'm convinced that the kingdom of God works anywhere. See, see, see religion works in the four walls of a building. Uh, but the kingdom of God works inside these walls, but it also works outside of these walls. It works in the church, and it works in the marketplace. See, I don't want to sell you something on Sunday that doesn't work on Monday. As a pastor, if it's kingdom, it works here, but it works wherever you are during the week. It works in Thames and Berlin. It works in a small group and a big crowd. It works. You know, in fact, in my small group this year, we've seen eight people give their hearts to Jesus. Uh, because the principles don't just work on a platform here. They work, uh, work in a small group in my house. Because it's kingdom, and kingdom works anywhere. It works in a lawyer's office. It works on a sport field. It works with a band. It works without a band. Uh, I, I love the fact that Jesus preached on, on, on the kingdom more than any other subject. Uh, what was the good news according to Jesus? What was the gospel according to Jesus? The gospel is that the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is accessible and available to ordinary people. The kingdom of God is at hand. But Jesus would often say these words. He would say, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
repent. Change your mind. Now, this kingdom, it works on a different paradigm to how we think. Uh, this kingdom is not like the world. To access this kingdom, you've got to repent. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to change how you see things. Because in this kingdom, if you want to be great, you've got to learn to serve. In this kingdom, if you want to live, you've got to die. In this kingdom, if you want to find life, Jesus said you've got to lose your life. It's an upside-down kingdom. He said in this kingdom, if you want to increase, you don't hold on to your stuff. You give it away. You've got to repent because the kingdom is at hand. See, many people today, they live saved. And again, saved is like you've just gone through the doorway and you're in the foyer. But they don't understand that there's this whole kingdom life that he wants us to live in and access. Don't just live in the foyer when there's a kitchen, where there's rooms, where there's other things to. You know, some of us are just stuck in the foyer. We're saved, but we haven't changed our thinking. But as, as we change our thinking, we can access kingdom. And here's the thing about kingdom it works everywhere. It works everywhere. Now, now, what's spoken about in Jeremiah can be applied on many levels. Because many of us, we feel like we're in captivity. Now, some of us are right here, right now, you know, we're free on the outside. We live in a free country, but we're restricted on the inside. Now, how, how many know you can be in captivity on the outside, but free on the inside? Paul, he didn't let his environment determine his freedom. He was locked up. He wrote many of these letters locked up, but he was free on the inside. You can be free on the outside, but locked up on the inside. But you can be locked up on the outside, but free on the inside. Because the kingdom of God is, is, is within you. See, see, what we need to understand about this kingdom is the kingdom of God is not outside in. It's inside out. And to understand what Jeremiah is saying, he's saying, hey, don't let your environment determine your flourishing. Your flourishing is determined by what's in you. Live inside out, not outside in. See, this world, it lives outside in. It's looking for something on the outside to satisfy the longing on the inside. But, but we've got to get the inside right. And if we take care of the inside, it doesn't matter what's on the outside. In, in, in fact, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, uh, the teachers of the religious law, because they had this outside-in mentality. In Matthew 23, let's look at it. It says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside, you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. 
Why was Jesus rebuking them? Because they were thinking outside in rather than inside out. Some of you are saying, well, if I had that house, if I had that job, I'd be content. No, outside in. It won't fulfill you. The kingdom of God works anywhere when you understand it's inside out. It's, it's inside out. It's not outside in. You know, outside in waits for your predicament to change. It waits for something on the outside to change. But, but you've got to wash the inside of the cup. And if you wash the inside of the cup, how many know that's where the drink goes? Uh, that's important. No, no, you know, if the inside's dirty, I don't want to drink from that cup. You know, wash the inside of the cup, and he says the outside will take care of itself. That's why in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, above all else. Somebody say, above all else. So that's high on the agenda. It's not amongst many things. He says, above, above, first priority, above all else. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Where does it flow from? It flows from your heart. It flows from the inside. We see in the Bible examples of this working. Where guys were in prison, Joseph, Daniel. But in the end, what's in their heart determine their environment. Your issues flow from your heart. Now, Joseph is sold to slavery by his brothers. Now, locked up in prison. He found himself in Potiphar's house. But listen to this. In Genesis 39, verse 4, it says, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. Here, a whole lot of bad circumstances happened to Joseph. But his flourishing was not determined by his environment. His flourishing was determined by what was in him. And it says, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in house. How many know Potiphar was still in charge? But Joseph was in charge. Because Joseph had something within him. And kingdom works anywhere. It works in that place of restriction. You don't need to be the boss or the prime minister to be in charge. You just need to have the creator of the universe living on the inside of you, and you need to access the kingdom that's available. Even when he was falsely accused and put in prison later on, in verse 21, it says the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in eyes of the prison warden. Listen to how crazy this is. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Some of you are not getting this. This is a prisoner being put in charge of other prisoners. Have you seen that happen before? That's crazy. Listen to this, verse 23. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Whatever, the Lord was with Joseph. I want to declare this morning the Lord is with you. You can flourish right where you are, right now, right here. 
You don't need to wait for anything. God wants you to succeed now. God wants you to flourish now. Now, sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we don't want to be, but maybe God's led you there. And you need to be convinced that you can flourish in that place, that, that there's fertile ground there, that, that God says you can actually move forward there. What's stopping you moving forward? I, I want to suggest it's not what's on the outside. It's not the circumstances on the outside. It's what's on the inside that has the power to stop you. See, unless you're convinced, you won't be able to maintain a good attitude. You'll, you'll start whinging and questioning God. Here, here's the deal. God will change your predicament one day. One day. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. But in the meantime, your attitude is so important. See, if you live inside out, it's only a matter of time before your outside world aligns with what's on the inside of you. But if you have a bad attitude, you're just going to keep on facing hardship. You're going to keep on facing trial because what's in you determines what happens around you. I'm convinced. Come on, how many are convinced that kingdom works anywhere, anywhere and everywhere? If it just works on the, in these walls on a Sunday, it's not kingdom. I can talk you out of the promise. Here's the deal. It was never in you to begin with. You know, I haven't done that much pre-marriage counseling. We've got a whole team back in Auckland that do it. Man, we've got a whole lot of people getting married. It's wedding season. Love is in the air. You know, but I hear one of the strategies in, in a pre-marriage counselor is, is actually to break apart the couple. It's not a verb, but it's actually trying to work out where the gaps are and say, Hey, let's, let's try and split them apart now. Because if we can do it now when there's no kids, no mortgage, and gravity hasn't set in. Yeah, it, it, the gap's only going to go bigger. If they're not convinced now that this, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard a little later on. If you're wavering now, you're going to waver later on. That's why we need to live convinced now. Now, convinced now. We need to get the promise in us. Because if it's not in us, we can be talked out of it. I love Abraham, the father of faith. It says in Romans chapter 4, Abraham's faith did not weaken even, about, even at about 100 years of age. He figured his body was as good as dead. It was pretty old. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered. And believing God's promise, in fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced. Somebody say he was fully convinced. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. Now, I want to ask you the question, what's it going to take to fully convince you? Uh, what are you going to make God do to fully convince so many of us, it's like we're egg Christians. How I many know the egg doesn't cost the chicken that much? Yeah, it doesn't cost them. You know, we need to be bacon Christians. Bacon costs the pig its whole life. Its whole life. And some of us aren't willing to give up. We're just, you know, a little egg on the side. You're an egg. 
God, come on, we need some bacon Christians are prepared to lay down our life because we're fully convinced that God is able to do what He's promised. Amen? Yeah, yeah, we've got too many egg Christians around. It's just like, you know, it's just, wrong. come on, this is real. You know, you heard the expression before, how you win your friends is how you keep your friends. How you win them is if you're going to have to convince them now, you've got to keep on convincing them. It's a little bit like going on a long walk with young toddlers. How many know if you pick them up early on in the walk, you're going to be carrying them the whole way? Because as soon as you pick them up and you put them down, they're like, ah, you know, pick me up, pick me up again. You know, and you have to carry them. Here's the deal. If I have to carry you now, I'm going to have to keep on carrying you. Unless you've got it in you, you'll be talked out of it. You know, we've got too many Christians. It's like, yeah, we're picking them up, babysitting them, putting them down ah, in church. It's time for the church to grow up because you need to get it in you. Because if it's not in you, it's not going to make any difference. I don't want to sell you a religion. It's just a behavioral pattern on the outside. You know, I don't, God doesn't want to change your behavior. He wants to transform your life. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced about Jesus. I'm convinced about the church, His bride, His body. So many people, oh, I'm convinced about Jesus, don't know about the church. Well, that's like going to a person you're dating and going, man, I love your head. But I'm not that convinced about your body. Come on, that Jesus is the head of the church, whereas body, that's the church. I'm convinced about the church, the bride of Christ. Imagine going to a husband and going, hey, I like you. Man, but your wife? Man, I don't want anything to do. How many know, if, if you get me, you get my wife. We're one. It's a package deal. And when you're convinced about Jesus, you're convinced about the church. You're convinced about His plan. You're convinced about everything that it entails. But, uh, but too many of us waver because we haven't got it on the inside. Turn to your name and say, you've got to get it on the inside. See, if it's not on the inside of you, it's not going to last. It won't last. You see, you can flourish in any circumstance, in any place, because it's not according to your luck or your abilities or your skills. or your good. You're convinced because you, you look at it, it has to be God. On the inside, uh, listen to Joseph again. Joseph, he comes to the place of promise in Genesis 41. He's now you know, basically in charge of the whole thing, the whole of Egypt. It says, you put, uh, shall be in charge of my place and all my people will submit to your orders. Only, respect, only with respect to the throne will I be greater. This is Pharaoh. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain, because you've got to have the gold chain, around his neck. See, see, my encouragement to you today is, is put down your roots, even when you don't feel comfortable. Build houses, plant gardens. Uh, determine to flourish where you are right now. You can make a difference now. Don't wait till you graduate. Don't wait till you know more. Take what you know and do something with it. Flourish now. Oh, I just need to know more. I need to have read the whole Bible. No, take the little you know and pass it on. You can flourish right here, right now. You can flourish now. And Jeremiah is saying, you know, before we get to verse 11, that will happen. 
you can flourish now. But I want to take you just quickly to finish with verse 7. Is a real key one. Verse 7, it says, And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I set you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare. Listen to this. This is crazy. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city. Uh, who are they praying for? Babylon. Just in case you didn't know. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Because if it prospers, another version says, you will too prosper. See, many in the church have got this wrong. Too many Christians have got an evacuation mentality. We're just holding on to Jesus returns. If you got that mentality, you don't understand what Jesus preached. We're not waiting to be evacuated. We're here to occupy. It's not evacuation, it's occupation. And here it says, work for the peace and the prosperity of the city. Now, notice it's not prosperity for selfish gain. Work for the city. To flourish in, uh, in captivity is to understand, hey, Joseph, your prosperity is linked to Potiphar's prosperity. If you serve Potiphar, I'll bless you. Hey, hey Joseph, your prosperity is linked to the prison warden's prosperity. If you serve him well, I'll open up doors. I'll give you favor. Hey, Joseph, your prosperity is linked to Pharaoh's prosperity. Could it be that your prosperity right now is attached to the boss you don't like? And their prosperity is linked to you. See, see it's never independent. See, God wants to prosper us, but it's always with a purpose. See, we're blessed only to be a blessing. See, I'm convinced God wants to bless this city. I'm convinced God wants to bless this nation. So He will bless me so I can be a blessing. See, you've got to understand God's plan for you is never independent of what God wants to do in this city and in this nation. But so often we view it from an individualistic point of view that we miss out on what God wants to do. God's plan for you is not independent of what God wants to do through this church. Our prosperity is linked. Our welfare is linked. See, God knows the plans He has. question I want to ask this morning is, what about you? See, I, I'm convinced He's here right now in this room. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst. I'm convinced the kingdom of God is at hand. It's accessible to ordinary people. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about your failings. Come on, God's kingdom is accessible. I'm confident. I'm convinced. Christ in me, the hope of glory. In me. Christ in you. Greater is He in you than anything going on in your world right now. I'm convinced about that. See, when you're convinced, by nature, you convince others. Save people, save people, forgiven people, forgive people. Found people, find people. There's no marketing plan, brochures. I'm just convinced this world needs Jesus. I'm convinced more than I've ever been. I've been a Christian a long time, but I'm standing before you. This works. 
It's working right now in Manila, Rome, in the United States, in Autaki, in Thames. It's working. People's lives are being transformed because they're encountering a living, loving God who knows the plans He has, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a home. Some people are saying, give me a sign. Here's a sign. You're not dead. you got air in your lungs right now. You're being sustained by God. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Come on, don't be fooled into living a lesser life than what God's purposed. Live inside out. Nothing on the outside will satisfy the longing on the inside. It's only God can do that. And when you get God on the inside, it's amazing how the overflow of that begins to spill into your world and good things begin to happen in Jesus' name. Come on, you might be in a place of captivity. You may be in a place of restriction, but I want to declare this morning, you can flourish. Some of you, you're winding down to the end of the year, but I really believe, I have a word for you. God wants to surprise you. Yeah, your year's not done yet. He's going to crown the year with a bountiful harvest. And even the hard pathways are going to drip with abundance. Come on, turn to somebody and say, flourish now. Flourish now. Flourish wherever you are. Flourish in your job. Flourish on the sports field. Flourish wherever you are. Yeah, you may have some bills, but God wants you to flourish. Yeah, you may have a diagnosis you don't agree with, but come on, line your heart with the Word of God. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's the, our victory this morning, and God wants you to flourish. Come on, if you believe that, how about standing to your feet right where you are? Would you throw a couple of hands in the air just in surrender? Because this kingdom works. If you want to find life, you've got to lose your life. You've got to give it over to Jesus. You want to live, you've got to die. If you want to increase, you've got to give it away. Repent. Change your thinking. The kingdom of God is at hand. Is at hand. You don't have a lesser version of God than Paul the Apostle. You don't have a lesser version of God than Billy Graham. Or any of the greats have changed the world. They just simply believed in the God who lived within them. Come on, right now, where are you looking at your circumstances rather than looking in? Greater is He. Greater is He. Greater is He. Somebody here recently this week, in fact, this week got a diagnosis. It's brought fear into your heart. God's removing that fear right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we break the power of that. Some, some of you here right now, you, you're fearful when it comes to your future. There's worry and anxiety in your heart. God wants you to say, no, you don't need to be fearful. I know, he says, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and hope. Just believe me, just trust me. Some of you, you got, you got ideas of stepping out of faith, but there's something holding you back. I wanted to declare, if you've got God, you've got all you need. All you need. Come on, just reach out. Holy Spirit's in this place. I know His presence is here, and He's working. Come on, it's inside out. Inside out. 
Come on, from the inside out, would you just begin to give Him praise? You may not feel like it on the outside, but come on, just determine on the inside to, to lift Him up. Come on, just on the inside. Could we do that? Nine o'clock service, come on. Come on, let's determine it. Inside, inside. From the inside out, we declare you're worthy. We declare you're majestic. You reign today. You rule. You have our lives. You have our everything. Lord, we look to you this morning. The one who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just to close off, maybe you're here and you've never opened your heart to Jesus. Or at one point in time you have. But for one reason,